Sarah, give me that. You have the little one. And that was our joygasm moment to kick off this particular episode. That, of course, unless you've been sleeping under a rock, has been the Avengers Endgame epic climactic scene where we have just about every single Marvel IP from phases one, two, and three come together for a little kick buttery. You know who has been sleeping under a rock? No. Andrew. Andrew. Thomas. That man has been sleeping under a rock. Right. Of course, we could say he'd be uh, sleeping under three cute little rocks, a.k.a. (laughs) his kids. (laughs) But he has yet to see this film. Right. Anyway, I thought that it was entirely appropriate for us to be able to show that clip just because the big news that came out this past week is the fact that Avengers Endgame has officially dethroned Avatar as the international number one highest grossing film of all time. In fact, I don't know if you saw, but James Cameron was actually, uh, he's been really classy about the whole thing when they had broken the Titanic record, which was number two. He had sent out a, a congratulations to the Marvel Studios team. And he did it again when it came to breaking the Avatar record. And so it's it's really cool. Apparently, I guess, in Hollywood, they do this thing where they go back and forth where whoever is able to, to be the, the, the next king of the hill, basically. I guess, like, the, the former king of the hill pays tribute and, and kudos to that particular studio or person. So. <laughs> Otherwise, they don't say anything at all. Yeah. Well, no, I, mean, I think it's cool because obviously <laughs> there's no grudges or anything like that. It's kind of like, oh, wow, that's really, that that is an accomplishment. Especially when Avatar is coming back to theaters uh, for the high definition, and then it pushes Avengers right back down to where it was. <laughs> <laughs> and he's working on like three or four Avatar films right now anyway, so we'll, we'll have to see how those end up uh, doing at the, at the box office. But... <laughs> My goodness, like watching that clip again, I think I had seen that film three times at least in the theater, and it's been a little while since I've seen it. It just brings me right back to that moment of just like when you watch it and seeing all of your favorite superheroes all gathered together, and especially with Captain America obviously in control of Thor's hammer. I mean, did you get any uh, return of the goose pimples? You know, I didn't. Why am I not surprised? I didn't. Uh, I I like the the first Avengers. Uh, not not Endgame. Infinity War. Infinity War. Better than I liked Endgame. But and in terms of that clip, though, it's a good clip, Russ. It's a good clip. It's a little bit more than good, Steve. Maybe, I'd say it's spectacular. Maybe it's just watching it on such a small little screen. <laughs> The sound was pretty good, though, wasn't it? (laughs) Nice little bassy explosions in my ears. Uh, You know, when that scene happens and Mommy and Daddy Iron Man are flying around, they're going like five miles an hour. That's kind of hovering. And you would think them flying around, they'd be flying a lot faster. Well, Steve, we can't can't see what they see. They have situational awareness. We are just seeing the hero Uh, shots of them. Yeah, Maybe they needed to stop. I'm sure that's what it is, Russ. They all had to run at the same exact speed. You know, the helicopter doesn't constantly go forward. Sometimes it needs to hover. You know what I'm saying? 
Mm-hmm. Cover on the front lines, yeah. I just recall being back in junior high and actually being at a friend's swimming pool birthday party. And I remember there, like all the guys were in the back just hanging out in the pool and we were talking. This is back in 1991, I believe it was. And we weren't talking about like what it would be like to have these comic book characters that we were so into growing up as kids actually be able to share screen space on the giant silver screen. And back then it just seemed like it was just, I don't know, like some, some kind of like wishful fantasy of, of sorts. And it's crazy to come to the moment of you know, Avengers Endgame where they are actually all present together it's the culmination of just anyone who's a major Marvel comic book fan. And really just, I wouldn't even say it's limited to being a Marvel fan, but just if you're a fan of comic books, it's such a huge milestone. And I think probably the last time I felt like something, you know, just, just this level of, I don't know if I, if I call it serendipity, Steve, or if it's a, if it's just a, a golden moment in uh, comic cinema history, but I remember watching the Avengers movie, the first Avengers movie by Joss Whedon and that whole entire scene where the camera was just following superhero after superhero as they were doing things together as a team. And I remember just, just sitting there in the theater, just completely blown away as to how well executed and realized this entire like visual spectacle was. And then I think since that time, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get that feeling back again. But for me personally, that was the, the clip that did it right there. And I'm so glad I got to share that with you, Steve. Yeah. I'm so glad we were in the theater together and we were able to see all that. Yeah. And was, what were you going to say? That was a good night. It was a fantastic night. Was that that? Was that? Did did you? Did we watch that when you basically bought everything in the concession stand to have dinner with? <laughs> or, was that, or was that a different movie? Was that, that something else? You know, actually, I think that was Toy Story 4. That nah, was probably Toy Story I think that's probably what it was. Now, the crazy thing, too, is, of course, this was simply part two to the overall film. You had part one and part two, and, you know, once yeah. Yeah. we have those in our possession, it's going to be great. And, and I've said this before when we were reviewing these films, and I'm going to say it again. I really hope that Marvel Studios comes out with some kind of extended edition, like add on like another 40 minutes or something. But they already have some extended. That's why that's what they re-released into the theater so that people could spend more money to go see. Well, so that wasn't exactly extended footage of the movie. They had like the Russo brothers give some kind of little um, thank you speech of sorts. <laughs> that lasted 40 minutes. Yeah, no, no. It, <laughs> it, they, they had like, um, they did bring in a new scene. I don't remember exactly what it was. I want to say it was with Spider-Man or something, but it was, it was pretty short apparently. And then they also had some, uh, some sort of tribute, I think to Stan Lee, but in terms of the movie itself, with the story, the special effects, all that, it was actually very little that they, they added to it. So I, for one would love it when the, when it comes to the, uh, the home, I really would love it if they took a note from Peter Jackson, when he, released his Lord of the Rings films and have extended editions that will add on at least 40 minutes, if not uh, maybe an hour to hour and a half of, of goodness. Because you know all the fans are just going to eat it up. I mean, who, who would say no to that? No, I don't want that. <laughs> anyway, 
You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich. And we are going to continue our San Diego Comic-Con coverage in episode 132, I believe it is. I believe it's 132 today, July 25th, 2019. That's what happens when you have uh, these back-to-back episodes getting recorded. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's one. It's episode 132. Anyway, I think in the interest of getting through the rest of my experience with San Diego Comic-Con, we're going to forego what we've been up to this week and just uh, continue where we left off. So if you recall, in part one, which by the way, for those of you out there who have not listened to part one, it's just the episode before this one. So really, I would highly recommend that you... <laughs> Stop here and go back and listen to that because there's a lot of goodness in there you don't want to miss. Part one is the first part. <laughs> part one is the first part of part one. <laughs> what? <laughs> but anyway, it covered Wednesday preview night as well as Thursday. And then we are going to go into, for this episode, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, Steve, did you have any questions about what I covered in the uh, the previous episode? No, Russ, but I've been seeing you posting a bunch of pictures. Have you now? I have random people getting all close and buddy-buddy with you. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'll I'll be talking about some of those folks tonight. Rubbing elbows and cheeks and little nose nuzzles. (laughs) (laughs) Can I have an igloo kiss, please? Thank you. (laughs) Butterfly kisses? Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, igloo kisses. I think it's Eskimo kisses. Oh, I'm Come sorry. On. Eskimo kisses. Thank you, Steve. Thank igloo you for correcting kisses. me on that. I thought that sounded kind of off. I was like, why? I okay. Yeah. But you know what? That's why I have you filled with random, useless knowledge. Nonsense. It's amazing how those seemingly useless little nuggets actually come into play more than one would think. Anyway. So Thursday was chock full of all kinds of um, different adventures that I was on. Just to um, briefly recap, you know, there was a lot of Mondo goodness of me bouncing back and forth between Mondo, getting different types of prints. Um, I got to meet Andy Park, who is the director of uh, visual development at Marvel. I was also uh, picking up my Funkos, had some fun experiences with that. And uh, began to look at Art Germ in terms of getting my comic signed, barely made in time for that, as well as getting some more of his good prints. And to top things off, I started a dialogue over at Top Cow Productions um, in the sense that, like, at that point in time, I was, I bought some CGC comics from them and then was also trying to get onto a commission list, which at that point in time, there is a chance, a chance that I might just get one. Which brings us to Friday. So Friday, Steve, it was, it it began with a little bit of drama. Oh, I gotta tell you. If you recall on Thursday, we had to switch hotels. Yes. And that ended up taking up uh, almost half the day. Like I didn't get to Comic-Con until after lunch, pretty much. And you went to the Nicer Hotel. Yes, Hotel Dell. Hotel Dell. Hotel Dell what? Coronado. There you go. And then you met the dude who did all the special, uh, like, 
prosthetic effects to the. Okay, so I didn't meet him. He or, was or, my. He, he was there. He was your neighbor. Yeah, <laughs> he was my hotel neighbor. Yeah, he asked me to borrow a couple Greg towels. Nic- Greg Nicotero. Yeah. Right. Yes. <clears throat> Absolutely. So okay, so Friday was a big deal because on Friday it was the signing for Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. And so this is a particular big deal for me because all of the previous common cons I've gone to as it applies to SDCC, I have tried again and again and again and had failed to actually get a wristband for Game of Thrones with the signing. So, and really, I mean, the only way that one could actually possibly win one of those is if you were to spend the night in the on the grass in line and even then, it wasn't even like a foregone conclusion that you would get one. So what's crazy about this year is they have changed. And I think they, technically speaking, they started this last year. But they did this whole lottery system that I explained to you in the previous episode. And so it really evens the playing field in terms of pretty much allowing everybody who has uh, signed up to be able to have a chance at getting some of these more highly sought after prizes. So it just so happened that I was one of the lucky few who uh, got confirmed for the signing. Now, what happens is that I got a piece of paper that has a little QR code on it, and I had to present that to the Warner Brothers booth in order to get the wristband. And as part of the uh, instructions detailed, it said that I had to uh, get that taken care of between 6.30 a.m. and 9 a.m., on the day of. So I thought to myself, okay, no problem. So I get up in the morning and I get ready and everything. I get all my belongings and, you know, I've got my backpack. I got my SDCC stuff. I got my poster tube. I'm ready to go. I go out, I get an Uber. We're making our way down to the convention center. And it's not too bad. You know, I would say it's probably around 8 (laughs) a.m. And I'm thinking, okay, I got like plenty of time. I just need to go up to the sales pavilion, be able to, to show my, my QR code. I'll get it. It's not a problem. There's no real line for that whatsoever. We get to the convention center itself. Like, like we're, we're almost at the drop-off point. And I look down and horror crosses my face, Steve. You peed your pants. No. You spilled your coffee. No. You step on your phone. I did have a coffee, but I did not spill it. Okay. I looked down in horror and realized I forgot to bring my San Diego Comic-Con badge with me. Uh-huh. Now, I know you haven't been to one of these before, Steve, but the badge is key to getting into anything yeah, remotely I, wait, I figured that, Russ. That's a huge Jeez, deal, Steve. Dumb, you think I am? I don't think you're dumb. Oh, I just think, come on. I know that you've been to the Jeez. the smaller comic cons around here, mm-hmm. but in terms of how this stuff Got works out, you know, I'm just I'm I'm just trying I'm trying to make sure I paint a whole picture. Okay, okay, okay. So you forgot it. You were so excited and caught up in the moment. You took your Uber. Not have you got out of the Uber yet? No. Oh no, no. no. That's oh. what I'm saying. We were about to reach the drop off point, and I realized, oh no. And what had happened was, is that I had um, gone out on a little date night thing with my wife the night before. <laughs> date night, whatever. <laughs> and something stupid with the wife. No, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I don't, I don't recall exactly 
I think I think we just kind of hung out around the. No, we went and got sushi after the third beer. Everything just got fuzzy. <laughs> everything after just that. got fuzzy. I think I got taken advantage of or something. But um, when we had gone out, I was still wearing my badge, and so she had said, "Oh, well, here, let me just have it. I'll put it in my purse." That's where it starts. And so that <laughs> I mean, so I call Leslie. I'm in a panic, and I'm like, "You have my badge," and she instantly remembered too. She was like. Oh my gosh. She's like, I, th- I think it's in my purse. I'm like, yeah, I think it is too. So I tell the Uber driver, we have to go back. And at this point, it's like, I want to say around 11 or excuse me, around like 812 to 815, something like that. And it takes about 11 to 13 minutes to get one way for like from the hotel to the convention center. So I'm figuring this out in my head and I'm thinking, okay, if it's like, you know, say 812 right now, we go back. It's probably going to be like 824, 826 by the time we get back there. Then we have to come back again and we're going to be like bumping right up. It's going to be like 848, 850, something like that by the time we get back. So anyway, what's really funny too is the Uber driver refused to continue driving until after I updated in the app that, that the drive was yep. not over. I'm like, can you just keep driving? I'm, I'm updating it right now. She refused to move forward until after I did all the button pressing and then click send and then it was confirmed. And then she started, I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, I think that's how the app works. Like the app calculates where you're supposed to go and it kind of gives you somewhat of a price. And then that that is one transaction. So I think if they keep driving, yeah, then it it minimizes the amount of money that they would receive. So if they can complete a trip and then start a new trip, then it, it's more money. What's weird is that I felt like Billy Crystal in one of his comedy movies, you know, like, like he's trying to get something to work and like someone's just being anal and he's like, really? You know, you're going to wait for me? Okay, fine. <laughs> And you're like doing your stuff. So anyway, we go back and oh, by the way, she was not in any hurry to, uh, you know, get me there. Like, like she was driving, she was driving safely, which is good. But at the same time, it's like I was communicating just the uh, importance of trying to get back as soon as possible. And it just, she uh, wasn't driving as assertively as I would have preferred. But anyway, we get back to the hotel. Leslie's out front with the badge. She smooches me. We then, oh, and here, so (laughs) once again at the hotel, she refuses to move until after I've put it in again. I'm like, really? You can't just like make your way through the hotel parking lot while I'm updating. Okay, fine. (laughs) Just putting it through. So we end up getting back to where the convention center is and I believe it was like 8.53. I had seven minutes to be able to check in because the other disclaimer on this piece of paper states that if you do not claim your wristband by 9 a.m., that those wristbands then are forfeit and will be returned back to inventory. Hmm. So I get out of the car. And I am booking it with all this crap on my back through tons of crowd of people and stuff. The lines are already crazy long. Luckily, I find a girl holding a sign that um, basically talks about wristbands. And so I, I pull out my paper. I'm like, I got one. And so like she sees me, she flags me over. I'm making my way up to the sales pavilion. I kid you not, Steve. I got there right at 9 a.m. 
<laughs> right at 9 a.m. I'm at the the WB table and I'm out of breath. I'm sweating. And they, I, they probably looked at you and went, oh, another sweaty, geeky guy. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm here. Game of Thrones. I die. I die. I'm here. <laughs> Pretty much. So I just want to sell <laughs> Oh man, it was insane. I, I was instantly reminded of how out of shape I am and how I need to build my endurance up. But luckily, and you know what? I actually took a picture of uh, the wristband on my hand. Um, I'll post it onto on the social media um, just for those of you who are listening because then you'll be able to understand. But what was crazy was that as soon as I got my wristband on my wrist and I left the table, then I was approached by an elderly gentleman who actually started offering me several hundred dollars uh, to give him the wristband because I think he had a either like a daughter or a granddaughter or something like that who was really wanting it and that sort of thing. And I, you know, I graciously declined and I was like, no, no. And I explained to him kind of what I just said to you about how like I've tried for so many years to try and get this. He totally understood and it was fine. So, and of course, you know, the other thing is, is that I knew that if I didn't get that, I would never hear the rest of it. I would like, my friends would never let it down in terms of like our good old friend, Brad and Chris and Candace, even my wife, just because none of us in our immediate group has ever scored this before. And for me to like have don't make that little oopsie daisy could have cost me that. Oh my gosh. They would have held that over my head. I don't even know how long. Except if he has laryngitis and can't say anything, then he wouldn't hold over you. <laughs> he just gave me lots of looks of disdain. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so where does that leave us? So game of Thrones, game of Thrones was taken care of. The next stop was to go down. Wait, you don't have anything to say about that whole thing. But what? Did, you posted a video. Okay, so was this the same time that they all walked in? Because you, you posted no. a video. Uh, no, no, no. Th that was the same so day. That, okay, so this was just getting the badge. And that's, that's all this it was. It was just getting the wristband. Okay. So the the signing itself, if I remember correctly, I want to say it was like around like 2 or 3 yeah. p.m. They're not going to be there in the morning. They're the celebrities. They're going to sleep exactly. in. The these crazies can get up early. I, you know, it was probably 3.30. I think the signing was from 3.30 to 4.30 is what mm. it was. Anywho, I had a date with Mondo again. Because if you recall, Steve, I had purchased the Metal Gear Solid Gray Fox LP. And I had learned that the composer of the soundtrack, which I'm a, like, Metal Gear Solid soundtrack is probably one of my absolute favorite soundtracks in the video game world ever. It's, it's so easily identifiable. It's very iconic. Super, super cool. Anyway, so I went down to the Mondo booth and I spoke with the folks there and I was saying, hey, I don't have a ticket because, you know, at this point in time, they were doing the whole ticket thing where, like, if you get to their booth, they'll hand you a ticket for a certain time. And once they run out of tickets, then you're screwed. You don't get any kind of uh, goodies whatsoever. So I spoke with one of the, the guys there who's one of the head honchos and said, hey, I have, I bought the, the Metal Gear Solid LP. Is there any way I can get it signed because I don't have a ticket? And, um, and he was really nice. He was really cool about it. He said, yeah, yeah, since you bought one, yeah, we'll make sure that you get into the line. And I said, okay, great. And I said, another thing is, 
I would love to get the Metal Gear Solid print that I know you guys have. I wasn't able to, to get a ticket for that. Is it possible that I can purchase that? And he thought for a moment, and then he said, yes. He said, yeah, you know what? Go through, get your autograph, and then uh, we'll, we'll take care of you Like once you get through there, and then you can buy a print. Um, and I was, I was really blown away by that, honestly, because they have very limited quantities of uh, the prints. Like, for instance, like the Metal Gear Solid um, print run, uh, I think they only had about 225 prints. And I think I got, like number 170 out of 225 and that's it. And so it's, it's a very limited edition. So what was really cool was um, as I was waiting in line, um, there was this elderly lady, she was Asian and she was asking uh, what this line was for. And so I told her, I said, Oh, this is, this is the Mondo line. We're waiting to get our Metal Gear Solid uh, LPs uh, sign. You know, I showed her the thing, the cover and, um, and I just thought, oh, that's nice. You know, she she's just kind of checking stuff out and what that sort of thing. And she had a, a guy with her who had a kind of like a, I think it was a video camera or something like that. Anyway, she kind of disappears. And I thought, oh, okay. And didn't really think much of it and was kind of talking with some of the, the other folks in line. It turns out that that was the composer of the Metal Gear Solid soundtrack. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> her name is Rika Miranaka. And, uh, I was blown away. I'm like, oh my gosh. I just had a little small talk with the composer. <laughs> like, whatever, old lady, okay? Get no part of me right now. I'm telling you, okay, so this is this is a lesson that I get refreshed over and over and over again. Is like when you go to San Diego Comic-Con, it is imperative that you be friendly to everyone you come across and everyone you meet because you don't know who you're talking to. And I have so many examples of this where I'm so glad that like I was just, you know, and enjoying myself and just having fun chatting with people because more often than not, they are these insanely heavy hitters in some sort of capacity, whether it's in comic books or it's in TV or movies or video games. You have no idea. And you have no idea either because they just they dress like you and I do. They're not like some big movie star celebrity where they have this huge entourage of people and they're dressed all fancy you have no idea until later and you're like, oh my gosh, that was so-and-so? Like, anyway, it, it, it makes for a fun storytelling adventure, Steve. So I made my way through the line, got it signed, and I was actually talking to her some more. As she was uh, autographing my, my soundtrack, I asked her, um, she had a, a pad of binder paper next to the signing, and I asked, hey, what's this for? And I saw some names and email addresses and stuff, and she said, oh, she said, my, my latest project is I am working on some kind of virtual reality um, application that is focused around accessibility. So for folks who are deaf or folks who are blind or folks who just, um, you know, perhaps they can't use their hands, that sort of thing. She's working on, she didn't go into a lot of detail about it, but she was saying how she was um, making that available for, for folks who perhaps have certain talents or skills that could help her with this project that she's working on. And so I started talking mm. to her about how like, wow, well, you know, I, I do UI UX design and actually accessibility is something that we are very cognizant of with any given application. And it's, it's for those same reasons that, that she just listed. And so it was fun to be able to kind of talk to her a little bit about that. I'm, I'm curious to see, um, what she ends up developing. 
but that was a lot of fun just to be able to have a little, you know, like one or two minutes just to be able to chat with her a bit. So anyway, I make my way over to the Mondo booth and I'm talking to the the lady who's working the kind of the, the cash register area. And I said, oh yeah, I'm here for Metal Gear Solid Print. And she said, do you have a ticket? And I said, oh no, no, I don't. But um, he said it was okay that, that uh, uh, I get one and stuff. And she was shutting me down because she hadn't been told that. Yep. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to be denied after saying it was okay. So I see him and he sees me and I look at him and I give him the look like, I, uh, I don't, uh, am I getting one? And She's not giving me one. <laughs> so then he comes over and he says, no, 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 it's okay. I'm um, making an exception in this case to, to let him have one, you know? And, and again, I mean, he, he was so accommodating throughout the entire week of Comic-Con. Every time I came over and had something um, he was extremely helpful and fair and friendly and everything else. So massive thank you to uh, the folks at Mondo for doing a really good job. Did but, you get the guy's name? Uh, I actually don't know his name. Nice. I I want to. Uh, I, I don't want to miss say his name. So I'll 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 get back to you on that, Steve. Guy in the t-shirt and jeans. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so. Next stop, which was pretty close to the Mondo booth, was the Blizzard Entertainment booth. And the uh, the gaming crews, while they don't have a large presence at Comic-Con, you do have some heavy hitters that are there. So I decided to take a little look-see and see what they got over there. And I was able to buy some SDCC exclusives. Um, one, was, one of them was a print of Genji with like Farah in the background and a couple others. I'll have to show it to you after the, after the program if you're interested. But um, it was illustrated by uh, one, one of my favorite artists, Frank Zhang, who um, he... <clears throat> I actually didn't know he was, he was doing a lot of this, but I mean, it's, it's a great landscape shot of just this huge battle taking place. And Genji is kind of the, the main star of the show. But So I got that one, and I got another SDCC exclusive, which was like this little diva toy. It was really fun looking, and I'll have to show it to you afterwards too. And again, like the packaging was super cool and neat foil in spots and colors and stuff. And I thought, yeah, that's a fun memento. That like it's, you know, they have a little sticker on there. It says it's for San Diego Comic-Con 50 because obviously um, they turned 50 years old. Actually, you know what? I don't know if they turned 50. Yeah, I think they turned 50. For some reason, I always get confused with like, did is this the 50th Comic-Con or did they turn 50 years old? Wouldn't it be the same thing? I don't know. But there was a dialogue recently about something having to do with that. Anyway. I would figure if they've had 50 Comic-Cons and they probably had 50 birthdays and this will be their 50th anniversary. <laughs> I mean, you're like, yeah, we've had 51 Comic-Cons and happy 50th birthday. Oh, man. But it's our 57th anniversary, though, if you can do the math. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I've gone cross-eyed. So after that, I decided to make a proper trip to Sideshow Collectibles. Ah, it's about time. It is indeed. And uh, there was quite a few things that happened, one of which I discovered they had this fun scavenger hunt that, that that it was a really novel idea. I saw these postcard looking things and I picked one up and I was talking to one of the, the ladies there at the, the booth and I said, what is this for? And she said, oh, you have to go find these people at other booths within the expo floor. 
and they have stamps and they will stamp your card. And once you have them all stamped, you come back and you'll get a pin. And it has, I believe it has to do with the, uh, the court of the deadline that they have going on. So I thought, Oh, this is fun. I got some time. Yeah. Let me try this out. And so I grabbed one of them and I started going through these numbers. It was so fun to just go to some random booth that normally I would never visit. And then, you know, I would kind of walk up with this card, not knowing who to talk to because there were like multiple, multiple people at each booth who were working it. And there would always be one person who would kind of like come out, like emerge from the mass of people with this like smug smirk on their face and have a stamp and just stamp my card. And then I'd have to like go run to the other place. And by the way, there are many, many other people who are doing this at the exact same time. So it is a competition because they only have a limited amount of these pins. I'm curious if I even have the pin up here, Steve, but it was just, it was so fun to be able to go through that. It was a novel idea. I, like I said, I've been here for like four years um, and I've never had that type of experience. Not to say that it doesn't exist in other places, but um, yeah, I don't think I have it up here with me. I'll just show it to you uh, a little bit later here, but it was a lot of fun to be able to go through that. I got back and got, it was a nice size pin. It was pretty big. And, and um, I started talking to them a little bit about um, what, uh, what they were doing. Like the, the lady who was kind of operating the, the scavenger hunt. It turns out she's one of the concept artists for a sideshow. She does a lot of the concept illustrations for their characters. And a lot of the ones that she had been working on recently is part of their core of the dead line. So I was just kind of talking shop with her a little bit. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I see this tall gentleman by the name of David Igo. I know you don't really necessarily know who that is, but David Igo is basically is one of the art directors of Sideshow. And he has been very involved with the various um, forums and social media outlets as it applies to Sideshow statues and stuff. The guy has a fabulous sense of humor. He's really down to earth. You, you would love him. Uh, he's, I think he's like six, three or six, four. I mean, he, he's a pretty tall guy. And that was one of the first things I told him. Cause like I looked at him, I was like, David. And what was crazy was that he actually recognized me. Russell. He <laughs> Russell 24 statues. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me and he's like Perkins. Right. And I was like, how did you know? And, and um, all of a sudden it dawned on me. Oh yeah. I've talked to this guy multiple times online and we've had lots of uh, different threads where we're just like geeking out on various things. We can't sell you the Megatron statue, Russ, unless you buy the Bumblebee <laughs> statue too. They come in a package. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Dude, he's going to fall for it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he actually, he also has a mind like a steel trap, Steve. Hmm. He remembered, he actually brought it up as we were talking. He said, hey, did your statue situation ever get resolved? And I said, statue, and he says, yeah, the, the poison ivy one. I was like, wow, you remember that? And he says, yeah, I, I remember we were talking about it and how the, the guy I recommended uh, didn't, come didn't come through for you and everything else. And I was like, yeah, no, it, it, just, uh, it just kind of evaporated. I think he just ended up ghosting me and stuff. And I shared with him some more information about it. And, and, but I was, I was really impressed that out of all the customers that Sideshow has, and of course, I mean, he deals with all kinds of personnel and fans and celebrities and stuff that he still recognized me and was chatting with me. And that, that scores a lot of points with me personally. I think it would be the same for you. That would go a long way, Russ. It, it definitely will. Matter of fact, little, little anecdote. 
So when I was in the car stereo thing, uh-huh. we went to CES, uh-huh. the Consumer Electronics Show, uh-huh. to see all our vendors uh-huh. represent the speakers and the nav systems and the amps and whatever, whatnot, all the project cars. And we would walk around. We were just kind of scoping things out. And people pointed their fingers at us. They went, Dan, Steve, Ray, da, 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 da. they put on like, yeah. They said, we kind of, did you get your issue solved? We heard about your issue, this, that, and the other. You guys are great customers. And everyone, all the vendors are looking at us like, who are you? And will you buy something from us too? This <laughs> <laughs> is like in the middle of the CES. So I know exactly how that is. I, I, I'm telling you that it means a lot. Definitely means a lot. So anyway, it was really fun to be able to talk with him. We got, I took a picture. You probably have seen it. Um, icon. Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, who knows? But anyway, I thought it was worth mentioning that one of my favorite statues, and I have some pictures here for you, Steve. One of the big statues that they had on display was their new Iron Man Mark Seven, And as you can see, the base is, is like one big explosion, and it actually lights up. It really does light up. And then if you notice, too, the missile that's being fired is like frozen in time and is also lit up along with his arc reactor and his eyes and um, repulsors on his hands and feet. But uh, how cool is that? What do you think? Yeah, that looks expensive. So you, you did get video of it. Please tell me you did. I don't remember if I got oh, video of this one or not. Crying out loud. You have, to, you have to understand their booth is huge. They had, they must have had like at least 50 statues, if not more, on display. Yes. This is hard. I did get oh, some other statues on gosh. video. I'll just show it to you, Steve. Not to worry. Maybe I did get some. You know what? You might be in luck. Let me see. I can show me later. Just keep on going with the story, Rush. Okay. Well, anyway, this one was one of my favorite statues of the entire thing. Um, it was it was amazing. This particular pose. Do you recognize what this like? Which scene this is from? Um, that's the scene where he's taking off and shooting uh, something. Yeah. This is when. Bruce Banner from the first <laughs> Avengers movie says, I'm that's my secret cap. I'm always angry. And then he turns into the Hulk and he smashes the head of that big alien that big worm thing. Flying caterpillar from another world. And remember how that thing was going up like yeah, this? Yeah, and revealed a secret weak spot and Tony shot him. Absolutely. That's what this is from. Hmm. I love it. It's, it's a thing of beauty, Steve. The other statue that I'm really impressed with is the rogue maquette. And um, I, I did get video of her, uh, but I may have to show it to you later. This is, unfortunately, the lighting is not the best on this, but you kind of can see it here, but it looks like she's flying in place. And uh, it, there are two different heads. One is more like the 90s style that, that's inspired after what Jim Lee did. And then the, uh, the other head is uh, more of a, a modern take on it. But man, I mean, it just, it looks great. It's got the mixed media with the jacket and stuff. Super, super cool. And then they made a gambit, which you can't see here. He's uh, behind her. Oh, come on. You teased me. Well, you know, I have a video out of here, Steve. My goodness. I mean, let me see. I'm not sure if well, it's... Well, obviously the gambit wasn't as good, Russ. You'd have been telling me about that first. No, no, it is good. It's just... Okay, so Rogue is my favorite character. There you go. You take a look at that. And I believe I got gambit in that video as well. I see Thor back there. Yeah, Thor looked really cool, too. They had quite a few good statues. I can barely see Gambit, but yeah, he's back there. No, no, no. I, I, I should actually focus on Gambit there. Did you get all those people's signatures saying that they're going to be on YouTube? 
signatures. I, I haven't posted this on YouTube. This is my own personal phone. Oh, oh, he's looking at something. Oh, oh, here it comes. There's Gambit. Oh, that looks good. Was Gambit your favorite X-Man? Uh, yes, it was Cyclops, and I was kind of lost interest in Cyclops, and Gambit was the way more interesting character. There you go, Steve. Thank you. Are you satisfied? I am satisfied. Good. And you bought, and you bought that one. I'm taking it, right? No, I Thank didn't. Thank you. I did not. <laughs> um, no, actually, I went into the Sideshow website, and I took a look at the Rogue one. So the regular version of Rogue is still available, but that has the modern head. The exclusive has two heads. It has the, the modern head and then it has this one here, which is actually the one I prefer. It has the 90s hairstyle with like the headband and stuff. And apparently that one is just about sold out. Like the wait list is full and I'm like, ah, great. So I may have to pony up the dough on the aftermarket in order to score that one. But pretty cool though, right? Yeah, right, yeah. Now then... Why does I decided to can keep the statue thing going and I saw this other booth there that had a company name called Quantum Mechanics, which I've never heard of before. But this one, and I posted some of this stuff on social media, there are there were these like these really cool, they're more cartoony, um, but they were statues of Batman with like Batgirl and Robin and Red Hood and Nightwing and all that. Did you see those pictures? Mm, no. Okay, there is a um, creative designer by the name of Muhammad Hawk, who he was responsible for designing. I think there were like three of, of these different statues on display, but he took more of a charming um, kind of like like a really endear. I, I would I would say endearing approach to the statues where it's not the dark, brooding, gritty, violent Batman kind of thing. It's it's much more of like a vacationing, not vacation, bounty but soft kind of <laughs> bounty soft. <laughs> I'd be curious to see what you think of it when you see it because it's it's a different style, but I really found it appealing and it just it it, it turned Batman more into like a father figure. Mm. And Santa, then it, Santa Claus got it. And then it turned all of the other characters like Batgirl and Nightwing and Red Hood on them. Mm. He turned them more into like kids who were kind of like climbing on top of him, like on his shoulders. And he's got one dangling from his arm and stuff. And it was just really cool. It was not cheesy or corny or anything like that. I found myself really enjoying the look of it. So I'll, I'll show it to you. In fact, I think I might even have a video of that one as well, Steve. But I'll show it to you after the, the, the podcast here. Anyway, I thought it was so cool. And I actually ended up meeting um, the designer. He was there. I was, I was talking to a guy who was working the booth. I was like, oh, I really like this. Do you, can you tell me who designed it? And he just kind of like put his hand up. He's like, well, I did. And I was like, oh, no way. And I shook his hand and it was, just, it was super cool. So um, I ended up ordering one. It should be coming, I imagine, uh, this month or next month. So you'll be able to check it out. But it really resonated with me as a dad, you know? Okay, Russ, I'll take your word for it. I believe it was called Bat... F or no, Batman Family is the name of the statue. Bat Family. Batman Family. Batman. Mm-hmm. Fatman Family. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> At this point in time, Steve, it was time for the Game of Thrones signing. Ah, so time had passed... Way now, one thing you haven't said is that if you've eaten anything, 
<laughs> I don't believe I did. I think I had a coffee that morning and I did not have time to buy any kind of lunch whatsoever. Nice. In fact, that was how a lot of these went was um, these days were, were going by. There were, there were a couple of days in there where I did break for lunch, but other times I actually just didn't have time or I just forgot to, because I was just on this euphoric high the whole time. I'm like, I'm not, I don't feel hungry. I'm, I feel satisfied in other ways. So anyway, we get through and that's when you saw the, the, the video clips of like the actors coming in, everybody saying hi and that sort of thing and, and getting excited. And I make my way through the line saying hi and shaking hands with a few of the, the various actors who are signing the Game of Thrones poster. And I get to Macy Williams, who um, she, she's quite popular. And uh, she plays the little girl who um, was part of the Stark family. And, uh, <laughs> so I thought I, I would just have some fun joking with her. Um, not, it, I mean, it was basically just, just a, a way just to like banter with her while she's signing my poster. So funny story. I say, I ask her, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, so where's sting? And she says, sting. I said, yeah. Did you bring sting with you? She's like stings. Jeez. And I, so I start making a sword motion. I'm like, yeah, you know, sting. And then one of the other actors sitting next to her look, turns around and goes, I think he means needle. And I was like, oh my gosh. And we all start laughing. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I've got my fantasy shows all mixed up. I've got Lord of the Rings <laughs> oh. and Game of Thrones. I was wondering why <laughs> Samwise Gamgee's not on this, on this panel right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was so mortified and, and just, it was such a huge flub and, uh, golly, it was so funny. Luckily, like they took it in stride. It was totally, I mean, uh, one of the things I do think about is like, Hey, at least if for nothing else, they're going to remember me more than some of the other fans, maybe not in the best light, but still they'll, they'll probably remember that. Hey, we're that guy who like totally like out of us is Lord of the Rings instead of Game of Thrones. They will remember you as they're rolling their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not exactly one of my quickest moments on my feet, but um, man, I, I still, <laughs> I'm going to treasure that moment, even though it probably wasn't my best moment. Anyway, did you see that when I first uh, talked about that? You did. I did. did. Okay. I saw you post it. Oh my goodness. Well, after the Game of Thrones signing, was actually right when I left the line, um, I was approached by a person who um, wanted to buy it from me right then and there. And uh, I respectfully declined. I said, no, thank you. Um, so it's it's crazy, like just how in demand it is, and which is saying something because the final season of Game of Thrones left fans pretty unhappy with how it ended. In fact, you may have read about how there's some sort of big petition where you, they've had a lot of people sign and request that they redo the entire final season. So despite the fact that there is a lot of the controversy surrounding how they ended the TV show there, I mean, the fans are still there. They are still in huge numbers and uh, are rabid about that, about that show and the, the, the people who are in it. So once that ended, I thought it was a good time to head back to the hotel del Coronado. You know, for nothing else, just because I had that game of Thrones poster and I was really afraid that 
it was going to get bent or someone's going to snag it. <laughs> so I'm like, this is a good time to go back home. So I did. And I hung out with my lovely wife on the beach that they had there and uh, had dinner. And it was just, it was great. They actually have FY to the eye, Steve. They actually have a person that comes out to the property of the hotel and he, apparently he's like this professional sandcastle builder. <clears throat> I'm not sure if you'd seen... I did see that, yeah. You did see no, it? I did see that. What'd you think? I think he actually... The same dude does that. At, I think he does it every year because I've seen that before where someone has taken a picture of like a little San Diego Comic-Con looking icon thingamajigadoo and it's always in sand. And so when you posted it, I thought, man, I've seen that somewhere before. Hmm. I don't know if it's the same guy. Hmm. Might not be, but the idea is still the same. But yes, I did see it. Well, this particular guy apparently comes out daily. And every day he makes a different sandcastle. Must be a nice job. Well, I'm not even sure if he gets paid for it. Hmm. He might just do it because he likes doing it. I, I met him. And uh, he's, <laughs> um, you know, he looks like he's probably in his 60s. He may be retired and just does it for fun. I don't know. But apparently the hotel is fine with it, which, of course, I can't see why they wouldn't be because okay, hey, hey. it impresses the guests. Don't build sound castles here, okay? That's, hey, not, that's, hey, that's, hey, not, that's not what we're about. <laughs> there will not be joy spread around here at all. The beach has got to be smooth for Instagram. <laughs> can't, have any, can't have any sand castles. In fact, you're lucky that we don't charge you to be here. <laughs> so anyway, that was my Friday. What? What a day. Exactly. So that brings us to Saturday. How many days left, Russ? Well, there's Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. Now on Saturday, I decided I wanted to try and shoot for the Marvel booth, Steve. Because if you recall, we wanted to get t-shirts. We did. (sighs) You didn't get t-shirts. I didn't say that, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) I made a bolt for the Marvel booth. Now, the biggest thing about Marvel is, and I have known this for years, is that... It's spelled with a V. Marvel. Not a B. Exactly. Marvel. Marvel. (laughs) Marvel. Marvel. We had this this wordsmithing brainstorm (laughs) session. It came down to either Marble or Marvel. Eh, Marvel won. (laughs) By one vote. Yeah. (laughs) Narrowly passed. So, um... I had known in the past that if you tried to get any kind of swag from Marvel, whether it's the signings or the, the posters, things that like they hand out at certain times, it's next to impossible to get those things because the Marvel booth is like a rock star booth. Like there are so many people that are just... You don't say. Well, it's crazy to watch because like obviously there are... You know, by the way... Well, I'll just finish this, this line of thought here. There are certain booths that you that you see year after year that just, I mean, they, they attract a ton of people and they're, they're just overwhelmed the whole uh-huh. time. Uh-huh. Random. The Peanuts booth. They have a Peanuts booth. You know, from the comic strip, Charlie right, Brown, right, Snoopy, right, all that? Yeah. I didn't realize that they even had a presence at SDCC, but they do. They have a Peanuts booth where they sell different types of like exclusive merchandise and stuff. They are on fire. Peanuts was a great little comic. Was it Ch- Charles Schultz? Schultz? Yeah. Sure. Yep, 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 yep. Santa Rosa. Aww. 
But what's crazy about it though, is that that to me, you know, obviously it's an older IP and they're not necessarily, I mean, to my knowledge anyway, they're not like jumping out with all kinds right. of like tons of new content. I'm here to tell you every day I, and I wasn't even interested in the peanuts booth. I just walked by it, but they were swamped like every day. It was amazing to me. What were they selling? Oh, just, I mean, plush toys, um, plastic toy things, shirts and stuff. And, you know, lots of stuff with Snoopy and Woodstock and Charlie Brown, Schroeder, Lucy, all of them. I mean, it was just, it was crazy, but they are still very, very relevant in today's world. Nostalgia. Nostalgia sells. And what's crazy too is that the people in line were people of all ages. It wasn't just like, oh, these are our parents' generation and our generation. It was like, no, they were like kids in line and teenagers and 20-somethings. I mean, it was like, wow, this is, this has staying power. That's amazing. I I thought you'd appreciate that. That's crazy, Russ. Did you buy anything? Well, no, like I said, I I didn't go into that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting back to the Marvel booth, Steve. So I get there and of course- it's swamped. You're right. But, uh, you know, I think to myself, you not think? a problem. Okay. Because I'm not going for the timed release swag. I'm just trying to get to their store to be able to buy the stuff. Right. Steve. They were sold out. No. They have, remember those tickets I was telling you about, like Mondo does, where like if you have a certain amount of tickets. Right. They had the same thing, but for their store. And they were completely sold out of their tickets. I was talking to one of the workers there and I was asking, how does this work? And she said, unless you are able to get to our booth within the first five minutes of the entire convention opening for the day, you're not going to be able to get a ticket because it gets sold out. So it is sold out. I said it was sold out. You're like, not necessarily. So is is this story going somewhere? It is indeed, Steve. Do I have you on the edge of your seat? Yeah, you do. My butt's going to sleep. <laughs> so I asked her, I say, well, so when's the next time I can get a ticket? She said, tomorrow. Yeah, like 10 minutes. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. We're right I here wish. then, I guess. <laughs> so she says, you're going to have to come back tomorrow morning. And at that point, I'm thinking, wow. But, but I All leave right, tomorrow I'm, morning. <laughs> no, I wasn't leaving. <laughs> I was scheduled to leave on Sunday. Um, I, Like I had to leave by like, three o'clock in the afternoon. But anyway, I was thinking to myself, okay, I gotta go. As I'm having this conversation though, there was this guy in line who was listening to the conversation. So as soon as I was done talking to her, he said, hey, hey, what shirt you want? I was like, well, I have to look at it. Why? And he's like, I'll get you your shirts. I was like, really? Yeah. Said, yeah. Well, this lady right here, point like right at one inch away from her <laughs> face, she says no. He was in line. He had a ticket. And I said, well, can you... Um, well, wait, it's like to pay it forward. Exactly. <sighs> exactly. From the story from the last episode. Exactly. <laughs> you have my attention. Mm-hmm. All makes sense now. <laughs> so I'm looking at him, I'm like, well, is there a limit as to how many you can buy? Because obviously you want to get certain ones. And so we, we got verification that actually, no, you can buy as many as you want. So I said, oh, okay. Now, the only problem was that the this um, guy was asking that I pay him through Venmo, which I wasn't signed up on, but I started to download the app. And I was like, okay, no problem. I'll, I'll use Venmo. Well, the guy behind that guy was listening to our conversation. And he said, hey, 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 no, no, I got him. I'll get you your shirts. 
what kind of shirt do you want? He says, you can pay me. He was like, what do you use? You PayPal? I said, yeah, I'm already hooked up PayPal. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. So then the other guy's like, <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and you, you do it through uh, that guy for PayPal. I'm like, man, thanks, guys. Like, this is really cool of you. I mean, again, the line is huge and it's sold out. So I go down the list with him and I tell him just the ones I'd like to get. And he went and got me the shirts. And he had this really nice girlfriend of his that, that hung out with me. In fact, are you familiar with who Alex Ross is? Uh, no. <laughs> Alex Ross is a hugely popular comic book artist. He tends to draw a lot of the, the classic um, superheroes in their classic forms. You'd totally recognize it. Okay, song. right. Anyway, his booth was across from the Marvel booth. So I hung out there with okay. his girlfriend. Did, oh, okay. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not just randomly saying this. So I'm with her and, and we're just kind of making small talk and stuff. And he comes back and uh, he is fruitful for the most part. They were sold out of the one I wanted that said um, America's ass. And then they had the thing that says language over it. They were sold out of that, which I had a feeling they would be because that was such a fun shirt. But I have them here for you, Steve. <laughs> I have brought them here. <laughs> so I have uh, a little aerobics here. Okay. <laughs> Here is the I Love You 3000. Okay. It's very, very red. That is a very, like, tangerine-y red shirt. It is indeed. And the 3000's got all the little star hearts. It's a very Iron Man color, if you will. A lot of red and yellow with that. Love You 3000. So did you notice your PayPal was minus like $10 like more than like what <laughs> you, you know said what I actually gonna... did? I tipped him. I gave him a, like a extra 50 bucks as a thank you. And he's like, really? And I was like, dude, like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. So that's the least I can do. Thank you very much. And uh, both he and his girlfriend uh, were appreciative of that. Well, what so. were their names? You got to get. I didn't get oh their names. Oh my gosh. I didn't get their names. We wished each other well, though, and said enjoy the con, all that fun stuff. But, uh, you know, here's another one. Worthless. It's uh, a black T-shirt, and it has uh, the uh, Tony's reactor in the beginning, or at the beginning, at the center of it here. Proof that Tony Stark has a heart. There you go. Okay. Does it uh, glow in the dark? I don't know. I'd have to look at the tag. Mm. This is actually only the second time I've looked at these shirts since I got them. Because that would be really, really cool. All right. If it glow in the dark, just going to say it. I'm not sure if this one does. Since, you know, things lit up on his on his chest, Russ. Here's another one. This is the one I was looking forward to quite a bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm seeing a lot of your shirts, Russ. I ain't cool seeing marble. none of the ones that I'm looking for. Come on. Okay, I got a hot second. All right. So basically, you bought the entire website and- like filling um, my lap up with shirts over here. <laughs> You're looking very cottony. <laughs> okay. Ah. Okay, so- Okay, Steve, this one's for you. <gasps> However, the it's, one... It's two sizes too small. Not exactly. <laughs> two sizes too large. <laughs> <laughs> this one was also, the one that you liked was also one of the most popular. Of course. That's why I... That's because I have good taste, Russ. I don't know if you knew that or not. <sighs> Probably didn't. Here you go, Steve. Mm-hmm. Worthy. 
with Miljorn and the Shield. I don't even know if I... I can't even pronounce the hammer right. I know. I always struggle with it, too. Moln... Yeah, whatever. That is for you. Heck yeah. That's great. Now, the only thing is about that one is... I think it's like a 3X. And so it is... Okay. That's what, that's what when you said two sizes too small, I was like, not exactly. But it should be. It's 100% cotton, ah, I think. Yeah, no problem. Wash it twice, get all the comic crud off it, done. Exactly, yeah. So that is for and you. And it'll be a medium. <laughs> Hope you enjoy it, good sir. Yeah, I'm going to wear that one in the next movie. <laughs> that's fantastic. Thank you. I'm very happy. You're welcome. And then I have one more that I got here. That's very blue. You recall. On your left. Yep. Do you remember who said that? Yeah, Cap said it to uh, Falcon. Yep, yep, yep. And yep, then yep, yep, Falcon yep. said it back to Cap he did. at the end when he came back. He did. So, very, very happy that I was able to, to actually get these. So, so were, there, were there any that, that you also wanted that I was not able to get? Yes. Which ones did you want? Um, oh, it was the Asgardians one. It was the... Um, oh, what was the what did it read? Asgardians one? As Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I, you know, I, hmm. I remember asking them for that, but they may have been sold out of that one. May have been. I'm not going to say it with 100% certainty. Well, if I were... A solid 75% certainty. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, if I was to choose between both shirts, if I had a choice, I would definitely choose this one. That one's pretty awesome. I like this one. Yeah. So definitely, definitely... Happy and relieved and grateful, and I wish I would have gotten their names because I totally would have given them a shout out. Exactly, for like days. So. Yeah, Godly. <laughs> so anyway, that was really cool. That's how the Saturday morning started well, out, Steve. Yeah. So you're walking around with a smile on your face. You got to chat the dude's girlfriend up. You got to give him some money. Got what you wanted. Didn't have to get up early in the morning the following day. Rush down there. Absolutely. All the camaraderie was there. Positivity, yep. graciousness, mm -hmm. everyone's being civil. That mm -hmm. sounds great. It sounds fantastic. Now then, <laughs> can I buy you some dipping Dots as a thank you? <laughs> what flavor you want? <laughs> I tend to go for the mint chocolate chip. <laughs> <laughs> so I then go back over to the Top Cow booth, which obviously is owned by Mark Silvestri. Ah, yes. And have I shown you the... I know you've seen it online, but have I shown you it in person? I don't think I have yet. The the. We'll get to that in a minute. I'll get that out. Anyway, I go over to them and just check in and say, hey, um, so I'd like to talk to you more. And they, and they remembered me from the day before because I had purchased all of those different uh, comic books from them. And I said, okay, so what is the status of, um, of being able to get a commission from Mark Silvestri? And so I believe the day before, they had me write my name down. Did I talk about that on the, on the wait list? Yes. Okay. So at this point in time, I, go, I walk over there and Mark Silvestri is sitting there working on someone else's commission. I go immediately into hardcore fanboy mode. <laughs> Because this is a guy who, like, I have collected his comics since the way early 1990s, late 80s, early 90s. And I've never met him in person. I've only seen, you know, pictures of him. Like, remember what that, that Wizard magazine that used to be prevalent back yes. in the 90s? I think they closed their doors, but 
Um, I would see like a picture of him in that or whatever, you know, but this is before social media existed. So here he is. The guy is 60 years, he's either 60 or 61. You know, he's been around for a while. And he's just sitting there, master of his craft, sketching this amazing drawing out. I'm like, it's just amazing to see him right there. Keep it cool, keep it cool, keep it cool. You like reach over to like pluck one hair out of his head and you're like, I gotta keep this. Yeah. I'm I'm keeping this. Like smelling it. (laughs) Like put it in your wallet for safekeeping. Yeah. I have like some sort of like white handkerchief filled with like different celebrities' (laughs) hairs. Then they all get old and turn white, and you're like, which is which? I don't know. Yeah. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, it was amazing to watch him work for a bit, but I didn't want to be like one of those like awkward stalker types, like like just drooling on his hand while he's drawing or whatever. So you like to draw? (laughs) Hi, Mark. How's it going? (laughs) It's like breathing down the back of his neck. You, can you work on my commission next? <laughs> anyway, so I'm talking with his crew and they were like, well, we're not quite sure. You know, he's, he's working on his commissions here. We're not sure if he has time. And then he's listening to this conversation while he's drawing and he pipes up and he says, no, I can do it. And they look at him. They're like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I'll just do it tonight when, when I'm back in my hotel. And so they look at me and they're like, Okay, you're in. And at that point, I'm like, oh my gosh, I scored that too. You dropped down your knees like Wayne and Wayne's world. Like, I'm not worthy. Almost. I should have. But um, but yeah, they were talking to me and um, they said, so what was it that you wanted? I said, well, I'd like to have a full body commission. Because he was doing stuff like that. You know, if you want just a, a quick sketch or if you wanted a more refined, like, like a headshot that sort of thing. I said, no, I'd like to have a full body commission. And so um, he was asking, he's like, what, what, what exactly um, is it? Which character would you like? And I said, well, honestly, I've always been a huge fan of Cyblade from Cyberforce. And he's like, oh yeah. Like his whole face kind of lit up and he's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So was I wink. <laughs> no, I just, okay. Why is he wink. winking at me? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, get that just, secured. It was just, it, it was locked up. I was so happy about that. And, um, so I'm super stoked. And he said, yeah, I'll have it, have it ready for you. So, well, you know, I have to be out of here probably by 2 PM tomorrow, which at this point in time would be Sunday afternoon. So from there, I realized that it was time to go meet rockstar games. Now, I don't think I, I mentioned this to you, Steve, but um, it came to my attention. Actually, thanks to our good old friend, Brad. Laryngitis Brad. Exactly, at this point in time. But he had let me know that actually Rockstar's part of their dev team was going to be on site at the convention conducting job interviews. Oh. <laughs> so what was crazy was like, okay, so I read the description on there and apparently like their main focus for this particular instance was to find people who are more illustrators and concept designers. You know, we need a podcast guy. <laughs> There's just no one out there who really is like high energy, does voices, you know, has a good time. Exactly. Uh, it's, just, it's a waste of time that we're here anyway. Like, <clears throat> wait, 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 yeah, wait, wait. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. <laughs> yeah, I got something to tell you. So... <laughs> 
I thought to myself, okay, <laughs> might as well give it a shot. I brought my laptop with me. You know, I have my website, everything. I'm, hey, I'm I'm on the market. I might as well talk to them and see if they have any interest. So did you throw everything off the table that they had, like sitting up there like, okay, <laughs> here's my laptop. <laughs> Forget about all that stuff. Over there. Yeah. Nonsense. So first of all, they were very hard to find. I They, they were um, set up within the Marriott Marquis hotel, mm. which was right next to the convention center uh-huh. building. Okay. I had to ask for directions so many times I was in that hotel. Cause I could not, I think they were actually, I think it was called the Santa Rosa room. I was like, where the heck is the Santa Rosa room? I had passed by it like twice. Anyway, found it, came in and it was fantastic. You're not going to believe this, but I, I ended up sitting down with the art director of Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh my gosh. I could not believe it. I'm sitting down and he's right across from me. And I uh, I open up my laptop and um, there's no internet connection. <laughs> Red Dead Redemption 2 is like your wallpaper. Look what I have. Totally not planned. Totally not planned. How's it going? But anyway, I start to get a little concerned because my portfolio is completely online. It's not something that I just open up a book and, oh, here's my stuff. So he starts asking some of his colleagues, like, hey, can you find out if we have Wi-Fi access down here, that sort of thing, and they're trying to find out. They come back, no, we don't. So luckily, I was able to use my phone as a hotspot. exactly. And then get internet access. And then I was able to show them. So then we're going through like my Borderlands 2 work as a marketing artist and going through a lot of my UI UX design. And I was explaining to him, I said, look, I'm not an illustrator. I know that you guys are looking for these other types of roles, but I thought it'd be worth stopping by just in the off chance that perhaps there are other positions that you need. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah. He got real excited. He's like, well, we're, we have like tons of different positions that we're hiring for right now. And apparently like, you know, Rockstar has, <clears throat> they have different offices in like New York and San Diego and Australia, I think. And like they're, they're international. They have yeah, places there's office in Canada. Yeah. So um, anyway, it was just, it was so fun to be able to go through that. And he ended up actually keying on some of my illustration examples I had. And he said, well, what's this one? And I said, oh, well, this is, this is not for any kind of game or, or um, TV show or anything like that. This is just my own personal work that I like doing on the side. And so, um, but he took a lot of interest in it because it was more of the illustration stuff. And so um, he was saying, yeah, you know, I'd like to be able to see what else you can do because I really like your illustration stuff on top of all this other stuff that you're capable of doing. He was a big fan of my photography work. Um, so it went well and, and uh, he introduced me to one of the technical recruiters. And so we'll have to see what happens with that. But um, I got to say um, one of the high points of that entire trip was him. When, when he was wrapping up with me, he actually told me that he thought I quote had some amazing work in my portfolio. And I think that is extremely high praise. I was very humbled and flattered by that coming from the dude who has been involved with Red Dead since Red Dead Revolver. Like he's worked on Red Dead Revolver. He's worked on Red Dead Redemption and RDR2. So I was just like, wow, thanks, man. That's, I mean, that's, I really think your guys' stuff is way beyond the pale compared to my stuff. Um, So it was just, I don't know. It was a really cool experience. 
So I left that and then went back into the convention center where I knew that the, the Marvel signing, the cast signing was about to commence. And this is one of those insanely crazy chaotic instances where, I mean, just you can't move. Right. Like if you're around their booth, you are stuck. And it's the one time where all the Marvel employees lose their cool and they're just like, keep moving. You're blocking the line. You cannot stop. You know, like, like all these security people are just trying to, um, you know, get people moving, but people don't want to move because they, they want to have like a good spot to like kick pictures and film the, the uh, celebrities that come out. And the fans had every right to because Hall H, you know, the place I was describing to you before, well, Marvel had their big panel that day earlier and they had, I don't know if you saw the videos, they had a ton of celebrities come out because they announced their entire lineup for phase four. And so they were bringing, I mean, they, they had all kinds of people. They had Angelina Jolie come out and they had Natalie Portman come back out. They had, um, girl, Chris Hemsworth was there and, um, they were introducing, um, uh, oh, what's that guy's name that we're both big fans of? And I can never pronounce his name correctly. Like Marshall Ali or he's the guy from right, right. House of Cards. Right, Marshall Ali, yeah. Did you know that he's part of the Marvel family now? Uh, yes, Ross, I posted on Facebook. Okay, well, gonna, I, I can't keep gonna track. Blade. Exactly. He's going to have to work out a little bit though. I think he has a good look for it. Oh, you do, well, he definitely has a good look. I'm, thinking, I'm just saying he's got to bulk up a bit. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Apparently, actually, Blade is not slated for Phase Four. I think it's gonna be uh, Phase Five. So uh, I have so many shirts on my lap. <laughs> yeah, it's getting hot here. It's I just know. Me or what? I'm feeling warm. Like, why am I feeling? Oh, that's right. I have like six shirts on top of my lap here. Why are my thighs sweating so much? <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> at one point, you know, I'm in this crowd too because I want to see who's gonna come out. Did you tell the Marvel staff, I'm not going to move, right? You want to make me? You want to make me, bro? <laughs> there was this old woman who was in one of those like electric scooters and she was so bitter and so pissed behind me. Like she was just screaming at all of us. She's like, you need to keep moving. I need to pee. Like just, it got so bad. She was threatening to run people over. She was like, I'm going to run into you. I'm going to run over you. I don't care. Like, she's like cussing up a storm and stuff. I mean, it, it got so intense from her. I was thinking, I was two seconds away from turning around and saying, if you touch me, I will accuse you of assault and battery. Because you were, I mean, she was in one of those huge scooter things. Like, you can, you can hurt somebody with those things if you decide to go full tilt forward like that. And, uh you know, they were able to like get her through, but my goodness, it was just like crotchety old woman over here. Just, I'm like, why would you even go this way? Like out of the entire convention, especially if you supposedly have to urinate, go to the edge of the, the convention. You're, you're literally going through the center of it where there's the most foot traffic. I'm holding my tongue. <laughs> anyway, Apparently, only the Russo brothers and I think a couple other folks came out. It wasn't like the huge uh, amount of, of celebrities that they had at the at the panel itself. So, 
Uh, it was it was significantly smaller, which is saying something because in the past when they've had these signings, they've had like the entire Avengers crew come out. I mean, it's a big ordeal. So at that point in time, I decided to leave that humongous uh, display. And I realized that Cuphead was there. Hmm. And I don't know what I did with that particular sh- <laughs> I got a shirt. Hmm. There you go. Cuphead. The Cuphead Show. On Netflix? It says Netflix? On the bottom. Oh, I had no idea. Ah. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe, maybe they have something brewing. Hmm. Brewing. <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> that was, I totally did not intend to, for that to be a uh, pun, but that worked out quite nicely. So that's a fun shirt, right? Yeah. By the way, did you know that the creators slash founders of this studio are brothers? Really? Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, their line was too long. I was going to try and get their autograph. I was uh, unsuccessful in getting that. So, I then go over because one of my favorite artists, Jock. Have I told you about Jock, Steve? Just about the strap. Hmm. He is a very, very talented artist from the UK. And I have multiple prints of his. He tends to do a lot of Batman stuff. Oh, man, Steve. I picked up one of his comic books. <laughs> and he was there, and I was able to get his autograph, along with the writer of the book, uh, Mr. Snyder. And uh, it was very nice to be able to, to have that little experience as well. Which brings me... Two, one of the coolest things that happened during that day, too, as if the other stuff wasn't cool enough. I had a date at 6.45 p.m. with a Batman panel. This was the Batman 1989 movie 30th anniversary panel, Steve. It was where the executive producer, Michael Usland, was going to give a huge talk and uh, I'm here to tell you, Steve. This was a uh, this was something I will never forget. It was it was super super cool. To give you an idea, this man it was the executive producer. This was the guy who for ten years fought to get Tim Burton's Batman movie made. Wow! This is before all the comic book movies. His journey was so fascinating to listen to. He started talking about when he was in high school all the way to present day. He's also one of the big producers on the Christopher Nolan Batman films. Um, he, it was just... Did you record it? Funny you should ask, Steve. <laughs> I did. And actually, furthermore, um, our patron subscribers... Ah will get, as this month's bonus Joygasm podcast episode, the entire panel recording, which will drop uh, this weekend, I believe. And you took your, uh, you took a little selfie self. I did. (laughs) I was looking. I did indeed. But I thought it'd be fun to play an excerpt from that speech, just so people on this program can get a taste 
of what it was I listened to. And I really do highly recommend if you're not a uh, patron supporter already to get on there because you, you really do. It's, it's like over an hour long and it, it, it is filled with just all kinds of insider talk about just how overall you just, you never take no for an answer. So take a listen to this. So in response to those times, the College of Arts and Sciences started this thing called the Experimental Curriculum Department. And this was the concept. If you have an idea for a college course that's never been taught and can get the backing of a department on campus, you then had the right to appear before a dean and a panel of professors and pitch it. If they accepted it, even though I was a junior undergrad, you could teach it for three hours of credit. So I said, now wait a minute. Comic books are a legitimate American art form as indigenous to this country as jazz. My superheroes are really, truly contemporary folklore. It's a modern-day mythology. The ancient gods of Greece and Rome and Egypt all still exist today, except they wear spandex and capes. So I went to the folklore department at IU, and I made my pitch. And the head of the folklore department said, Michael, I get it. I said, Doctor, the Greeks called them Hermes, the Romans called them Mercury, I call them the flesh. <laughs> the Greeks called them Poseidon, the Romans called them Neptune, I call them Aquaman. <laughs> and he said to me, you know, you're, you're really right. Because look at these comic book superhero stories. They are tales of hope and redemption of brave warriors fighting the demons and dragons of their day. And he said, you know what? It doesn't matter if you call them the Avengers, the Justice League, or King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. It's the same thing. I will back you. So now I go to appear before this panel. Let me set the scene for you. My hair is down to my shoulders. <laughs> I'm wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt. I've got a bunch of Superman and Batman comics under my arms. I'm wearing my hippie love beads. Thank you very much. And as I go walking into this room, it is a dark mahogany room with a big conference table, professors around it. I thought I had just walked into the secret sanctum of the Justice League. And as I walk in the door, the dean, do you ever see an old person who has this little pair of half glasses and wears a He looks down, down at me over his glasses and says, so you're the fellow who wants to teach a course on funny books at my university? <laughs> Folks, I knew I was in deep uh, trouble. <laughs> and I launch into the first pitch of my life. He lets me speak for two minutes and cuts me off. He says, Mr. Eastland, stop. He says, come on, really. He goes, look, I read comic books when I was a little kid. I read every issue of Superman I could get my hands on. But all comic books are are cheap entertainment for children. Nothing more, nothing less. I reject your theory. Oh. This, don't say ah. <laughs> because this was the first life-changing moment I experienced on my journey. Because I could have bowed my head, picked up my funny books, and turned around and walked out. But I figured I have absolutely nothing to lose here. So I decided to stand my ground. And I said to the dean, May I ask you just two questions? He said, ask me anything you want. I said, Dean, are you familiar with the story of Moses? And he looked at me and he goes, well, yeah, so? I go, so Dean, very, very briefly, could you just summarize the story of Moses for me? And he folded his arms, sat back in his chair and said, well, Mr. Jesus, I don't know what game you're playing here, <laughs> but I'll play this with you. 
He said the Hebrew people were being persecuted, their firstborn were being slain. Hebrew couple placed their infant son in a little wicker basket and sent him down the river Nile. There he's discovered by an Egyptian family who raised him as their own son. When he grows up and learns of his true heritage, he becomes a great type of stop. Thank you so much. Dean, you said you read Superman comics when you were a kid. By any chance, do you remember the origin of Superman? He said, of course. The planet Krypton was about to blow up. A scientist and his wife placed their infant son in a little rocket ship and sent him to Earth. There he's discovered by the cats who raised him as their own son. And then he stops, stares at me for what I swear to you was an eternity, and says, your course is accredited. So that was just one little excerpt from the entire thing, which I thought was just fantastic. That part in particular was when he was in college and he was talking about how like you can get as um, you know, certain amount of credits, you could teach a class, but it had to be approved by the Dean. And so he thought, well, I know about comic books. He talked about in this panel, how when he was like 10 years old or something, he had amassed 30,000 comic books. Oh my goodness. It was amazing. So, I mean, he knows it inside and out. And I just loved how he used that example of just not backing down, not taking no for an answer, and how he was able to convince the dean, look, this is this type of mythology is it's taught, but it's just it's taught during different time periods. But the point is, is that every culture has its own kind of, quote, modern mythology for its time. And I thought it was so cool how he made him go through talking about the story of Moses and then talk about the origin story of Superman. And you could see how like, yeah, see how those two are parallel to each other. No, they're not the same, but they still run parallel to each other in terms of um, the, the storytelling and like the details and stuff. So what did the Dean say at the end? I was trying to catch it and I, I didn't get it. He said, your course is accredited. Basically, he was able to convince right, the dean gotcha, right, yeah. that, that he um, was able to take the course. And it, it just it goes on from there where he talked about how at that point in time, there were no classes in the, in the country, let alone the world, that taught comic books. Because this is back in the 70s. His was the very first comic book class ever that, that was taught. And he talked about how he goes into detail about how when um, when he was accredited, he realized all of a sudden, oh my gosh, who's going to come to this thing? Because he wasn't sure like if anybody had interest in comic books or not. And so he goes through this whole ordeal of like how he he calls up the press. This is back in the rotary phone days. He calls up the press, but he doesn't say who he is. He asks to speak to a journalist and he acts totally outraged. And he's like, why aren't you doing your jobs? And the, the journalist is like, oh, we are doing our jobs. What, what, what's the problem? And he's like, did you hear? They are going to be teaching comic book stories at the oh, local college. If you guys would get up off your butts and do your jobs, I cannot believe we as taxpayers are having to pay for this. Da, 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 da. And he hangs up the phone on the journalist. He says that from that moment on, when like from the first moment that the class started, there was NBC, ABC, CBS. They even had Playboy sitting next to like Hallmark or something like that. Like he had like the entire news core media were there recording him as he was teaching the class. And it instantly gave him 
huge amount of exposure and street cred. That is definition guerrilla marketing. Yes. It goes on. I mean, there's so many details. And like, like I said, if, if you're a patron subscriber, you've got to listen to this bonus episode for July. But I mean, he talks about how that day after his first class, guess who called him? Stanley. Stanley. But a bang. And said, hey, I'm seeing you all over the TV. And I, w- I just want you to know I approve of what you're doing. I think it's great. Let me know how I can help. What a man. The next day, guess who called him? The president of DC Comics. <laughs> so you had the blessings of the two juggernauts within the comic book industry who were willing to give any kind of support they could. And it just goes on from there. I mean, it, it talks about how when he's done with college, he's trying to get into wanting to make movies. And Batman, of course, is like his big favorite character. How on earth he's going to do this because his father is a stonemason. His mother is a bookkeeper. He has no connections in Hollywood. It's just, it's a fascinating journey to go through. So. Anyway, I'll leave it at that with that. But it was so cool. After his panel, I went over there, shook his hand, got a picture with him. And I just said, Michael, your story is an inspiration. I absolutely love all the work that you guys were able to do. And he, he was just, you know, real accessible, really nice guy. Honestly, I would love to be able to get him onto the program. I don't know if, if that's even possible. I would love it if Michael Uslan were to come on to Joygasm and for us to be able to do a profile on him because he's a fascinating gentleman. What was also really neat too was that there were two other people in the audience that he um, introduced to all of us and they're very, very important people. One is the granddaughter of um, Major Malcolm Wheeler Nicholson. And he was the person who founded the comic book company that would later turn into DC Comics. He was basically the founder of DC Comics. And um, his granddaughter was in the audience. And her name is Nikki Wheeler Nicholson. And I was able to go over to her and say hi and shake her hand and just talk to her briefly. She has a book out. Um, I think it's, the title is called DC Comics Before Superman, which I'm planning on, on reading myself. Uh, but just really nice lady. And then the, there was a second lady, um, her name was Athena Finger, and she is the granddaughter of the Batman co-creator, Milton Finger. And you have to understand, Bob Kane was one side, and then the other half of that uh, equation was Mr. Finger, and he was the one who really put a lot of the, the aesthetic that we know and love today of how Batman looks, and how he kind of like, you know, just with the utility belt and the ears and all that kind of stuff, and he was telling Bob, hey, well, let's try this, let's put that in, let's put this in, you know. So it was, it was fantastic to be able to meet both these ladies, and uh, Mr. Uslan as well. It, it was, I mean, it's just unreal, like, like to have that level of accessibility at a convention like that, where these are, these people are either heavy hitters themselves or they come from a line of people who are just, just huge. I mean, they're hugely successful. They're very talented, super sharp, intelligent people. And it's just fantastic that that's just, it's one big extended family where we all come together because we all have this common passion and and enjoyment of this, this certain type of um, medium. So that ended my Saturday night, Steve. Man, I was blown away, totally blown away. He, I mean, even Michael was even talking about how, like, how the whole Batman thing came about, came about where, like, he hired this skinny young guy named Tim Burton and, like, went through that, talking about how he got Danny Elfman to do the soundtrack. I mean, he, he went through it um, just bit by bit. So, 
So to round things out, Sunday came around and um, the big thing for me was to go and get the Mark Silvestri commission, which I did. And it turned out beautifully. He ended up, you know, it was funny when I talked to him, I said at the time, I said, you know, um, you can do side blade or poison Ivy. I said, whichever one you want to do. I said, you know, side blade was one I, I was my first choice, but if you, for some reason don't want to do it, I just gave him a second choice. So, um, he shows it to me. He's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, I was planning on doing side blade. And then as I was drawing her, she just turned into poison Ivy. So I hope that's not a problem. I was like, no, that's fantastic. That's great. <laughs> poison side blade. It turned out to be and you're like, Oh, all right. <laughs> Hybrid. Anyway, it, it was, it was just really, really cool. What was neat about it too, was that I found out that Mark Silvestri is going to be releasing a series for the Batman comics. I think it's this year. It's going to be part of the DC black label. If I remember correctly, which makes sense because he's really good friends with Jim Lee and Jim Lee is now the chief creative officer over at DC comics. So it was almost like I got kind of a sneak peek as to like what his drawing style was going to be for one of the characters from the Batman world. So I was very, very happy about that. Nice. Shook his hand, thanked him profusely, got a picture with him. And um, yeah, it's once again, it's just shook his hand, kissed his ring and I was out. <laughs> well, it's just, it's a bucket list item for me. And what I think is crazy was I, I found myself just reflecting a bit about this year, how this year I have been able to meet both Jim Lee at Fan Expo Dallas and I've met Mark Silvestri at San Diego Comic-Con. And both of those guys are, are my two uh, favorite comic book artists. And that's just saying a lot just because I've known these guys for at least two decades or at least know of their work. I don't know them personally, but um, it's just it's crazy because I feel as though we've entered into this this world where you suddenly can actually have the ability to be able to meet these people who have had such a huge impact on your life, whether it's, you know, for entertainment or it's creatively, personally, whatever it is, it's just super, super cool. So, um, the other thing too, is that, um, Ryan Minerding, who's the, you know, if you recall, he's the Marvel head of visual development. He is also going to be doing a commission for me as well. So I actually have two commissions coming still one from Ryan and the other from Andy Park, who's the director of visual development at Marvel. And uh, I'm just super excited to see how those turn out. But, oh, and I got something for you, Steve. Did you? I almost forgot. I'm not good with gifts, Russ. Why are you not good with I gifts? Don't what know. are you talking I like, about? I like giving gifts, getting gifts, though. I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know what to say. Let's see if I can try and get this out. It's a little tricky here. You got me a Little Mermaid stuffed animal. How nice. There you go. That's for my brother. I figured I would continue the tradition. <laughs> it is a uh, Final Fantasy VII remake poster of Cloud Strife on one side, Sephiroth on the other side. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> they had their own booth there. And while it's not a cloud cutout, like cardboard cutout, like what I got for you back in the, the 90s, I saw that and I was like, okay, I've got to get this for Steve just for old time's sake. So, you know, do with it what you will, Steve. But I thought you'd uh, get a kick out of that. Yeah. Got a little, uh, little toe tapping kick there. <laughs> oh man. So I got to say overall, 
it has been just an amazing experience at San Diego Comic-Con for me. I really could not have asked for a better experience overall. It's just amazing just from the very beginning of Brad's friend being able to hook me up with that professional badge, being able to have Wednesday through Sunday and just thinking about all the different things that transpired over all those days. And really when I, when I look at my list, I think I, I was able to achieve everything on there. And then some, it was just, it was just a fantastic time. And, um, man, it's, I've got nothing but happy memories from it and, and just a lot of fun swag stuff to show for it. And so I hope everybody had uh, a fun time listening to this as well as the first part. And, I, and you could probably see why we cut this into two parts because it's there's just, there is a lot to, uh, to cover here. So. so did you, did you miss it, Russ? I mean, I know this was a, this was a good, a good trip, but it was, was it better than the last Comic-Con trip? That's a good question because I feel as though every Comic-Con I go to, there are different focuses that I have when I go to the show. So like, for instance, one year I may only be focused on getting celebrity autographs on, on posters and stuff for various movies or TV shows that are coming out. The next year I might be more focused on discovering different artists and artist alley and, and getting commissions or, or buying prints of theirs, whatever. Another year it could be just like the, the different events that are going on both inside and outside the con. I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff happening. Maybe I, I know there was one year where Leslie and I re spent a significant amount of time just in the panels themselves where we were watching shows that weren't even released yet. Like they were showing private pilots of TV shows that were going to be released later that year, or maybe not even until next year. So it really depends on just what I was going for, but I can say, I mean, this was definitely really high on the list. I really did just love every moment of it. I love the hotel that we stayed at. I thought it was great to be able to cut my time between being at the con and then also spending some quality time with the wife. Um, just, getting some R and R, you know, and, and having good, good seafood, by the way, I'm a oh, huge, man. I'm a huge seafood guy. And being out here in Texas, we don't get the, the freshest, best seafood, but out on yeah. the, the coastal California area there, it's uh man, it's, I forgot how good it is. Yeah. And I had, I had like seafood so much. I had like sushi. I had fish and chips. I had some other types of fish as well. I was just like, Oh, I gotta get my fill while I'm here. No doubt. That's what I would do. One of these days, though, you or one of these days, one of these years, uh, you do have to come at least one time just so you can experience it. Because I want to see what you think. I know you're going to be completely overwhelmed. Right. But hopefully some of that overwhelmage-ishness will, uh, will be positive. Well, uh, partly, I don't know who like a lot of these people are. Like, you you would look at me and say, oh, well, uh, Bobby something, something's going to be there. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> cool. I well, guess um, we need to get you caught up. <laughs> but anyway, uh, did you have any other questions for me? Are you going to go again next year? I'm going to try. <laughs> if for nothing else. Oh, you know what? That I almost forgot. What? So I also got some of these fun joygasm cards made. I was able to pass some of them out, but, but, Honestly, I had so much to do on each day. I wasn't able to do it as aggressively, but I got about a thousand of those puppies uh, made 
And they're specifically designed just to like say the name of the show, what we're about. And on the flip side, there's a QR code that if you use your, your phone camera, you'll scan it and it'll take you right to the joygasm.tv website, specifically our network page. So that way you can choose your um, platform of choice if you like Spotify or iTunes, whatever it is, and then begin listening to our podcast episode. So even though I was um, really unable to, to really <laughs> distribute those, we will be able to distribute those uh, at a future event coming up here, I'm sure. So you see what you needed to do was you needed to go near some large air conditioning fan at the Marvel area and then dump these in the fan. So the fan goes poof <laughs> and it looks like confetti coming down. You're like, oh, what's going on? It's kind of raining confetti. What's this? And then they look at it and it's Joey Gadget. Well, you know, it's funny that you see, you use the word fan because I was actually talking to Brad and Teresa about how, what we should do is actually create handheld fans they have the sticks, but then the, the the fan part itself have the Joygasm logo and stuff on there because people who wait in those lines outside all day long, it can kind of get a little hot out there. So if you have a nice little fan, you can fan yourself right there and have a little uh, brand promotion there, Steve. You know? yeah. Nice little fun thinking there. So anyway, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm. And of course, you don't want to miss that one particular bonus episode that's dropping this week with Michael Uslin's panel on Batman. And if you're not, you should consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see you next week. <laughs>